Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and the Bone Doctor, Nick Protopapis. The Bone Doctor. Hey everyone, uh, it's good to be back. Sometimes I feel like I'm only really alive when I'm record- recording this podcast. That's a real shame lately. <laughs> <laughs> I took a big nap. <laughs> That's yeah. what happened. Yeah. It's Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're out of your coma. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's yeah. good. This is this is the only joy I get. So let's make it worthwhile. Yeah, let's. Um, have you been up to anything interesting the past month, Nick? Since we only talked on this podcast. Um, I have not, Joe. I've just been just been shuffling in my bed, thinking about recording and the funny things I would say. Well, mm-hmm. What what media have I been enjoying? That's that's it. That's all I've been doing. Right. Do you, do you have any funny things that you uh you can bless the audience with? Funny things? Yeah, I mean, since you've been thinking about them all month. Oh, oh Joe. <laughs> the, the tragedy is I'm not really that funny on the spot, no matter how much I prepare. Uh, damn. I know. <laughs> it's, That's a damn shame. It is a damn shame. I thought you were asking me for a funny story, which is the, the, the easiest way for my brain to not have a funny story. Doesn't that ever happen to you? I, I know this problem well. Yeah. Oh God, it's it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the the icebreakers they make you do at the beginning of college, um, <laughs> just awful. Name a fact about yourself. Oh no, I I completely forgot everything yeah. about myself. What's my name again? Ah. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that happens. I'm uh 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 shit. <laughs> I, I like I like pecans. It's not even true. Crap. <laughs> No, what am I saying? What am I saying? People are going to get the totally wrong impression of me. I hate pecans. <laughs> Tons of potential new friends start coming up to you and handing you pocketfuls of pecans. Yeah. You have nothing my favorite, to do. Um, my favorite like icebreaker question for those is like, what superpower would you have? Because I feel like you can tell the people who have thought a lot about it and the people who have thought not at all about it. That's true. That's true. What would your superpower be? uh time travel uh but like in a you know a a version of time travel where i don't age mainly for productivity reasons like i would be able to get a lot done if i were able to slow down time okay oh sorry i wasn't listening you you just want to slow down time yeah yeah basically all right okay cool cool i think i would just do flying because that seems nice i don't know Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm See, so remember what I was saying earlier about how you can tell the people who haven't thought about it? Yeah, well, you just, you don't want to overthink it, you know, because when you start overthinking, <laughs> you're like, you're like, dude, I really want to mess with the, you know, the threads of destiny so much to like, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't want, you want too much attention and you don't want great responsibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, want... so the other thing is, you know, you have to think about, do I want a thematically appropriate superpower or do i want one that would be beneficial to me in my everyday life right right. and i would i would generally go for the latter yeah i guess (laughs) but i think i would i would not i would go for the one that makes i don't know i'd like flying because it would be like a new feeling not an Mm -hmm. enhanced feeling and it wouldn't be overpowered sure yeah those are my thoughts i mean everybody can fly Mm. most superheroes can fly oh well yeah yeah that. i just strength like what would i even do with that i have mm-hmm. no clue what are the yeah. other options again uh i mean you know, anything you want like you see I telepathy can of... no create earthquakes Ugh. oh god telepathy is bad awful. yeah those are too telepathy powerful. would traumatize you you know yeah maybe i like i like your slow down time thing because maybe like when someone asked you a random question like a fact about yourself you could just like chill out <laughs> like think of something. oh yeah perfect yeah. yeah. What kind of nuts do you like? You'd be like, I like walnuts. That's the one. That's my fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's in a way one of the most utilitarian powers. Um, and, you know, what you were saying about super strength, you know, if you have enough time, you can just like weight lift enough and you'll be okay. Oh, like you'll, wow. you'll, you'll have, you'll have a pretty high amount of strength, at least yeah. like. Not superhuman, perhaps, but, like, pretty strong. So you're talking, you just have plenty of time to train on everything. That's the thing, though. Like, if we had more time, would we really use it? I probably wouldn't. Hmm. Like, I would probably just double the amount of TV I watch, not double the amount of work I do, you know? 
I would argue that watching that TV is like more more productive. Like now I'm more productive because I've watched more of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, in in my brain, when I want to be productive, I factor in like, okay, what what entertainment am I currently consuming? What do I want to finish? I factor that into the calculation I'm making of productivity. Mm-hmm. Which is which is maybe the wrong way to go about it, but. <laughs> You know, if I'm re- if if I'm reading a, a comic book series and it's a hundred issues, uh, I, I I you know factor in how many issues I've completed into my daily productivity. Hmm. That's interesting. I, uh... Yeah, because it's it's all about personal goals. <laughs> Nick. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyways, I feel like that'd be a lot of pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's there's something nice about the spontaneity of life. So, shall we? I think we shall. Nick, do you have a thing for me on this fine day? I do. I have a nice good thing for you that I think you'll enjoy and also our list longtime listeners really enjoy because uh <laughs> you know, uh it's Uncharted Four. Yeah, baby. Woo! Uh, that's right. Finally, after like a year, maybe more. I, I think it's been a year. <laughs> I played the first three in like two months and then I took a year to finish the last one, but it's finally over. And I've talked about every one on this podcast. Wow, I know. this is quite an achievement. I know. Uh, I really, to be completely honest, don't remember how I feel about the other three. I mean, <laughs> I do have like the recording of how I feel, mm-hmm. but comparing it is a little bit difficult since I'm such a different person now, and I only played the game like last month. Um, sure. But anyways, I had the chance to have a PS4 from your brother, um, right? Le- and lent it to me, and uh, I had the disc at home, so I was like, cool, cool, cool. Um, so I played Uncharted 4 just to wrap things up. And there was a lot I had already played, um, but I finished it. So I'll just give you my thoughts. Sure. Are you ready? I am so ready. All right. I thought it was a fun video game. It's, you know, it's fun to shoot people and climb pretty things. Uh, and I guess, you know, it definitely has, like, the best graphics and all that, yada, yada, yada. And the uh, the good thing about this game that I was always complaining about in the other games is that um, it has a little story arc. Like, it has Nathan Drake. He's like, being normal at home he's like chilling with his wife he's not an adventurer anymore and then uh you know adventure calls and he lies to his wife and he goes and discovers his secret brother and they try to get you know get a treasure again and then by the end of this one he's learned that that's a bad idea um <laughs> and the compromise is that he should like adventure without lying to his wife is basically <laughs> the lesson i would say that is a good lesson to yeah, learn for they, yeah they adventure together so yeah yeah so it has that going for it um in terms of the, like the locations and the blah 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 because all these games are sort of the same it's like ah cool location one cool location two and then you slowly you know keep going and then you find the treasure and you fight the villain blah 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 so this one has some pretty good locations it's nice to see them you know in uh in higher definition i think the best one is probably like this weird like volcano i don't, I don't even mudland i guess you would call it in uh, madagascar mm-hmm. that was cool um and it was like all orange everything was orange and like you had to go up this volcano in the distance and there was these these old like watchtowers from pirates that was pretty cool um but besides that i think this probably had i don't say the weakest because the first game probably had the weakest but like pretty weaker than the other two you know locations and I think that's just honestly just like a matter of like having played three games of it. Like it's hard to come up with something totally original. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like we've been to islands, we've been to caves, we've been to cool jungles, like deserts. Like it's a little harder to be like, ah, look at this, it's new. Like they do make things feel big, but for me, the locations were probably the weakest of the, the weakest in terms of succession, like because it's the fourth, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. The fights were just as good, if not better um obviously that just gets better and better uh the character stuff was probably the best music was the same my big problem (laughs) with this game my big big problem with this game okay is that there's no magic element because in the other three what totally rocked my world in the first one was that like you're playing you're playing and then there's like alien ghosts and you're like whoa what and then there's this new (laughs) element in the game like two-thirds of the way into the game and this happens in the second one and it happens in the third one and in this one, it just doesn't happen. And I was so upset because it's just a regular game where I shoot people. And that made me angry because the girl was constantly like, oh, pirate ghosts. 
she kept saying pirate ghosts and there was no pirate ghosts so really i know that's it's so annoying that's (sighs) fucked up it's it really joe it really was honestly it was a little disappointing this whole game because of that um Hmm. because i like i was really close to the end and i was like oh it can't be the end though because they haven't introduced a supernatural element and then the like final boss fight which is more like a street fighter you know one-on-one like press circle press square kind of thing always Um, Uh uh-huh it was pretty all right. It was like a sword fight. It had some interesting, because you had to like dodge left, dodge right, uh, which made it feel interesting because you were like sword fighting. Like it felt like you were kind of sword fighting. Like you got into the groove of it enough. Whereas like, oh, this is the thing I'm doing. Instead of like, you know, Guitar Hero, where you just press. You know what I mean? Like There's, sure, a, there's a point yeah. in Guitar Hero where you're like, I'm just playing the guitar. Like, I, I know the colors and I'm like, I, I know where my fingers go. It was like that. <laughs> it wasn't just like oh circle square. Like it was like ah left right. Like I'm so that was kind of cool. okay yeah. Um, but it, I don't know. I'm still pretty upset about the supernatural thing. And people say that this is like the best one of all the Uncharted's, but it's not. It's the worst one. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can quote me on oh. that. Oh oh shit. I know. I, That's I've a never, damning indictment. I know. I've never really angered video game fans before, but I assume it's worse than angering other kinds of fans. I think it almost certainly is. It's because they're violent. I think. I think. Yeah, the hierarchy. The hierarchy has to be like, you know, Star Wars fans are the worst, obviously. Uh, Gamers are second. Comic book fans are probably third. That makes sense. That's my estimation. Okay, in terms of nerd stuff, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how like wrestling fans are, for example. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, just to just to uh, wrap things up nicely, a stupid thing that the, the bad guys say in this movie—not uh, this movie, this game—when you're sneaking around, because <laughs> they always this, in this game there's like a little bar to see how much they notice you. And there's mm-hmm. like yellow, orange, and then red or something. And sometimes it's yellow for a second. You can just sort of crouch and they go away. Um, but when it's yellow and they're like still not sure, they go, "I couldn't have imagined that." And then they walk around for a bit. <laughs> and then decide they imagined it and they give up. Yeah, I love that shit in um stealth games. Yeah. Where uh where the bad guys are just like, huh, I guess I imagined it. Yeah. No, but he's like, I can't, I can't have imagined it. So it's like, mm-hmm. wow, really? Like anyways, yeah, it was cool. I, I it's fun. It's fun if you played the other ones. But just know that nothing spooky's gonna happen. And let Damn. that sink in. That's right. I said it. Yeah, I think um, it will be problematic that you have upset the gamers today. Uh, but I think yeah. I think we can deal with it. It's okay. I they'll, hope they'll never find me. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I'm hiding. All right, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, sure. Uh, my thing this week uh, is something that we've sort of talked about before on the podcast. Uh, I'm talking about Better Call Saul. Uh, which is a prequel to Breaking Bad. Uh, as people who have listened to the show before know, uh, I recently made my way through the entire first series of Breaking Bad uh, in the sequel movie El Camino. Uh, now I'm going back to the more recent prequel show, uh, which stars uh, Jimmy McGill, uh, who you know we, we may also know as uh, Saul Goodman, uh, as in Breaking Bad. Um, and it's sort of an origin story for him, uh, as he goes about his, uh, sort of at the point where I'm at in season one, he's he's setting up his business of uh, of being a slightly, if not just very crooked lawyer. Um, I yeah. think, you know, my my to get this out of the way first, I I, I do really like this show. I think on a whole, it is uh, just way better directed than Breaking Bad. Um, you know, I, I think the first season, at least at the point where I'm at, about halfway through, does not have as strong a pitch as Breaking Bad does. It seems like, to some extent, it is sort of uh, coasting by on reputation, uh, where Breaking Bad had a very solid... Uh, w- when you watch like the first episode, for example, you have a very solid understanding of what you think the show is going to be about. Right. And I think Saul does not have nearly that same level of, like, strong hook it's just like oh we're gonna follow uh jimmy mcgill around on his adventures uh as he becomes this person that we knew in the previous show um 
and I think as that it is extremely enjoyable. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to like diminish it uh, in that sense. I think I think you know even this early on I'm I'm to some extent even enjoying it more than Breaking Bad. Um, like I I I think there are a lot of obviously newfound perspectives on characters that we knew before, like uh, Jimmy and Mike, um, who also shows up. Um, you know, I, I think something else they have is a knack for developing these very quirky, weird situations, uh, that I think are really funny. Um, I'm a big fan of episode three, uh, which focuses on, uh, the Kettlemans, who are this family that have, uh, I guess embezzled a lot of money. Um, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think actually the interesting thing about them is that one of the strengths of the um like better or, or sorry just the breaking bad and better call Saul writing team uh, and I, maybe, maybe even just vince gilligan um is the ability to identify and articulate how a certain economic class of, of white people function um and i think that episode really nails it yeah that's an interesting like just sort of the way like that kind of person carries themselves yeah i mean i think you know, just beyond that, just character is something they nail down really well, even very quickly. Yeah, um, totally. And they do definitely focus on, like, middle-class white people a lot. So that's, that's yeah. a fair assertion. Um, just think... sort of like um, there's a moment in, uh, I, I think it's episode three or four, where, like, the, the mom of the Kettlemans is, like, uh, she's talking to, like, her kids. Uh, and she calls them, like, the Kettle Team. Which just feels like super appropriate for like that kind of person. <laughs> yeah, the Kettleman's. It's are... like you know, just a little bit cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. There's always funny stuff like that. There's always I like that the humor is sort of they find humor in sort of realistic situations. I like that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right about Saul sort of being less like a pitch, kind of like okay, this because even when you're watching Breaking Bad, you're like okay, like I'm watching a guy you know, get worse, you know, and you like, oh, you know, teacher turned drug dealer is always the pitch. And eventually yeah, his downfall, like you kind of know that's what you're watching all the time. Um, whereas Better Call Saul is a lot more free. And I think it, I think it's not just when you're watching it. I think it's also like the writers, like you'll see later, but like sometimes things change season to season in terms mm-hmm. of like the plot that's happening. And you're like, huh, like they just have a lot more freedom and like time. And they're not exactly sure. Like, they know where they're going. I don't want to say that, but you know what I mean? Like, things change around a lot, stuff like that. There's, there's more freedom, I think. Um, which is, you know, cool to watch. Um, so it does end up in a lot of fun things, especially for Mike, because Jimmy's always sort of driven by his character stuff, and Mike Mike is also, but a lot of the time, Mike just has to be, like, cool. Mm-hmm. So they just give Mike things to, like, do every season, and it's super fun. It makes I think it makes the show fun to watch, like, live i guess not live but like as it's coming out you know what i mean because it, it's yeah fun. yeah it's fun to talk about with other people like ah crazy things they're doing this season um and yeah i can't i can't wait to like i mean i i imagine i'll be done with this by the time the next season comes out yeah um i can't wait to like watch that with you guys since i know that was like something that you and some of our friends did uh during high school for example yeah not to not to like spoil anything but i'm just gonna t- there's like there's one episode in season four where Mike mm. is just like <laughs> pretending to be like a, a security guy in this company. And that, <laughs> that's all he does for one episode. And it's just like so fun to watch because he's being so ridiculous. And you're like, why would this ever, like, why am I watching this? But it's, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And it's just, it's nice. It's, it's just a the show. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, so like something, you know, branching off of that, uh, something like this show excels at is just like, the bits <laughs> um there are just like so many funny situations from episode to episode definitely like more so than breaking bad which had like surreal things happen but we were supposed to take them pretty seriously most of the time yeah um like there, there's this one dude it is like all in the same episode there's this one dude that Saul uh or, or jimmy meets with um who wants to like secede from the united states Um, like jimmy jimmy's gonna agree to help him but then the guy pays him in like his own currency 
<laughs> so Jimmy leaves. The next guy he goes to is like a guy who like invented this toilet uh, that like is supposed to encourage like little kids um, to like you know go go potty. Me, Chandler. Um, <laughs> You're so <it> big. Just... <laughs> And it, it's it's extremely sexual as as Nick just imitated. Oh yeah, give it to me. I hate this. It's pretty good, right? It's a pretty good toilet. I guess it's not yeah, that, hard, that a, hard, not that hard of an impression. That was a very good impression of it. Thank you. I've watched that many times. He says something like, oh, "If Fisher Price got their hands on this." Oh yeah. <laughs> He says that exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, Jimmy's like, uh, what are what are you doing? This is such a, a you know, a sexual invention. And the, the, the dad is scandalized. He's like, how dare you? Get out of my house. Yeah, that's good too. <laughs> yeah, that's, like you could take like side roads like that, the show. Like it's just like, sometimes mm-hmm. it just like explores a side character for a bit. And you're like, ah, cool. Like... <laughs> It's 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 fun like that, and it makes occasionally it makes the world feel bigger and like funnier too. Yeah, like a lot of, a lot of Saul, like not a lot of it, but like sometimes you get the feeling that they're doing a side plot just to like explain something that happened in Breaking Bad a little more. Mm-hmm. Like like just like the drug operation, and like they have a whole thing about setting up the uh, the meth lab under the laundromat. Like that's sure, a whole, yeah. whole thing that they try to explain for a while. So it's super fun like that. You just you get a lot of insight. Okay, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching more. Cool. You want to move on to the main event? I I certainly would like to. Excellent. So today, Nick, we are talking about a sequel to something we've talked about before. This is a beautifully foolish endeavor, a novel by Hank Green. Uh, we talked about the first book in the series back in January, um, and uh, you want to give a plot synopsis? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I think that'll be pretty good. So I obviously naturally forgot everything about the first book because I uh-huh. <laughs> think listened to it in a single day um, when we were about to you know, talk about it that week or whatever, um, but let's, uh, let's recap a little. What do you say? Sure, yeah. So Earth... <laughs> One day, a girl named April May, haha, um, <laughs> finds a samurai statue or something rather in New York, and she goes, "This is." I think cool. it's supposed to look like a like a. Robot. I guess a mecha. <laughs> Robot samurai. Yeah. They, they say samurai a whole lot. Okay. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Anyways, she finds one and she decides to make a YouTube video about it. Uh, and it turns out that it's a magical thing from space or something, and they're all over the world, and they're called Carl. Uh, and then she gets famous for it and the fame gets to her and she ruins all her relationships and also there's a dream puzzle that everyone shares dreams and (laughs) i don't remember the last puzzle but she solves it and then she dies but she's not really dead the end right and there's a a a group of uh people who are friends sorry quirky friends or no, oh, that... I was I was going to talk about the the villains. Oh, the story. villains. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there is a... villains. <laughs> what are they racist? Uh, They're probably racist, right? Um, they're xenophobic against aliens. Yeah, replace xenophobic with corky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they are positioning themselves as like against the the carl robots um and eventually that leads to some political riots um and that plays into the death of our main character uh which is where this book picks up yeah um wait but also i liked the first book a lot is what I oh yeah uh me too it's a very it's a very weird book it is not done justice by like descriptions of things that happen in it that's true um i would recommend reading it or you know to a lesser extent going back to our first episode where we talk about that it's fun and Um, interesting yeah okay um now where are we with the second book uh 
Where, where, right. Um, so the the big thing about this book is, for a lot of it, we are following uh, April's friends uh, from the first novel. Um, they sort of swap. There are you know roughly three of them, and they swap out narration uh, each chapter. Um, and so the the plot for about the first third of the book is progressed that way um, until we get <laughs> uh, um, April's kind of return. A, a revelry. Yeah, April comes back. Uh, big surprise. And, and then the um, plot goes from there, and they work together. Yeah, yeah. And then they um, and the... and they they're sort of working to defeat the uh, the, the main bad guy from the the first book uh, is uh, creating a a sort of artificial reality that a bunch of people are into, um, and including uh, uh, oh no, what is his name? Um, and Andrew. Andy, um, Andy Scamps, one of Andy Scamps, uh, who's one Scamps? of the, or is it Scamps? It's Scamps. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy Scamps, who's one of our main characters from the first book, uh, yeah. whose plotline I found to be the most interesting in this story. Yeah. Um, and and so so they're creating that, and it's you know threatening the whole world. Uh, the the gang gets back together. They have to team up with with Carl to stop this again. You know. Not a plot synopsis that sounds like the most interesting, but I think they do a lot, or, or Hank Green specifically does a lot more with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's talk about that. <laughs> well, the thing I liked probably most about the first book was mm-hmm. focus on April and her being flawed and, you know, growing as world, like entire world events happened, you know, seemingly in relation to her without that feeling like stupid. Um, and the interesting things that were going on in the world like sort of aliens coming but not really an explanation on that and like a shared dream where everyone has to do puzzles in like a you know conscious like sleep state like that's super cool to me um and Mm -hmm. i really liked the way that that all played out um so this second book already has the problem or you know like has to like you know deal with with also having cool things in it like or trying you know what i mean like it has to be cool also and for me yeah it like wasn't as cool in terms of like the world because mm-hmm. what it sort of did was like explain and continue everything well because after the after the first book most of the cool stuff goes away right um, like the dream that's like part of the ending of the first book yeah the dreams go away and the carls go away so um, a lot of and April. I think a, a, a decent percentage of this book is attributed to explaining how the stuff from the first book worked. Yes. Um, which I think, when it happens, can work. Um, I think there are some really cool ideas in there. Um, and I think there are, you know, there's nothing that, like, doesn't work for me. There, But I do think that there's a lot of, like... Oh well, we're going to talk right now and explain what's going on. There's a big section in the back half of the book where really not much happens. Like the characters are just waiting around so they can do the the thing that they need to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I I take issue with that. Um, or really, my main issue with this book is that it's I I think a lot more poorly paced than the first one. Yeah. Um, I think like. In the first third of the book, I am so much more interested by the plot that Andy has because than the other a magic two characters. Book. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this, you know, this, basically, he this, finds a, a, ma- a magic book that you know we we later find out is is from Carl, um, and you know he has to follow that, uh, and he can't tell anyone else about it or it will stop working. Um, and this is seemingly like guiding him towards his destiny. And at the same time, like like we have uh his inner conflict which is at the beginning of the book it actually follows up one of the like thematic threads that i think is the most interesting from the first book uh where it's sort of this idea where he's concerned that he's like never had an original thought um so he's like he's like very preoccupied with like who am i as a person but also like you know aren't we all just like bouncing off of other people what's the deal um, and I think that's super interesting, especially considering how the book contends with like social media um, and how to some extent like you are expected to 
like become part of a in group. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really cool. But then we have the other two characters who are sort of investigating the, their own mysteries. Um, but I just think it's not nearly as strong, even though it does end up being like pretty integral to the plot. Yeah, I would agree. It, it sort of feels like Andy is the focus of this book, or at least that's how it feels at the beginning. Because yeah. he has the big character focus and he has the big sort of interesting plot thing that's happening. You know, whereas the book, first book had the, the Carls and stuff, this book has a magic book um, where things are written. And that's super cool. Like, it, it's cool. Like, it's sort of like Half-Blood Prince. You know, the book is like telling him things. Or no, it's not like, it's like the other book in Harry Potter. Sorry. It's like, <laughs> it's like the magic other book, the diary. Um, sure. Where it like is talking to him. Um and that's super cool. And like, that's kind of what pulled me in at first. But kind of like I said, like a lot of the world stuff in this is sort of just like, like a, like a less cool thing than the Carl's. You know yeah, I mean? it kind of, it like kind of reads as in addendum to the first book. And even exactly. like the resolution to the, to the magic book thing is like, you know, exactly oh. what you would expect it to be. It was Carl. <laughs> It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? oh, I guess I, I guess I knew that. <laughs> like, yeah. And then like the big looming threat is sort of bigger, but it's just mm -hmm. sort of like evil Carl, <laughs> which is so, yeah. so my, like, so what we learn is that, you know, uh, Carl from the, from the first book is basically a, a species wide con consciousness, um, that is, you know, comes from outer space. That's not really elaborated on. I don't think it needs to be, um, and uh sort of lives in bacteria um and at the same time it also has a or sorry they they use um yeah carl has a a, a brother that is uh basically trying to destroy the like consciousness of humanity yeah, carl's um, like instead. i want to help people and his brother's like i want to kill people <laughs> like okay well he doesn't want to kill them he wants to like hive mind them i guess yeah um and and that's what the main plot concerns there's a virtual reality thing um that um you know the the bad guys are building um that basically they're they're doing for mainly capitalistic reasons um and uh so there's yeah. like the the tech startup that they have to take down that like is controlled by carl's brother um and like I, again, I think I think it works better than describing it does. Um, but it, I don't I don't think it's as strong a piece as the first book. Yeah, I agree. I thought like the the virtual reality stuff was kind of cool though. I like the descriptions. Yeah, um, I think it pairs really well with the I like sort of the stuff that Andy is concerned with, where like, oh, maybe I've never had an original idea in my life. Doesn't does an original idea even like exist in the present era? Yeah. Um, like that's super interesting, and I think like that as a plot mechanism works really well with that, especially because he becomes the one who is like most engrossed um, with the the artificial reality. Yeah. Um, it's similar. There's to April also. In the first book. Yeah. Um. There's also like a, a like a secret society thing he joins, but that also has a kind of like underwhelming resolution because it's just like oh it's carl's brother as one might expect <laughs> yeah exactly it's like yeah it's it's a little weird because there are cool things in this book like with andy and like with some of the like you know virtual reality and the book stuff like it all feels kind of cool it's, it's just it, it is a strange situation because it's, it's a sequel uh and it feels like april is sort of not the focus at all and because of that, yeah. they, feel, they also, they just feel disjointed, you know? It's like, especially mm -hmm. since she sort of shows up, like, maybe, like, more than a third of the way through the book, probably. Yeah, it's like 40%. Um, yeah, like, I, I'm... Like, her stuff is just, like, she's learned her lesson, more or less. Like, she gets back with the girl that, like, you would think she would, you know, her girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and then, like, saves the day. And, like, that's kind of her thing. Like, Andy is the big, like, flawed character in this. Um, mm. it's not and again it's not strictly that i like dislike this book i don't i just i i am sort of disappointed by its construction i like a lot of the ideas there like i i think it gets at some really interesting things i think some of the more science fiction -y concepts they go into like it's explained with really interesting language yeah um 
I mean, so so that sort of branches into another thing. Um, uh, this and the first book uh, are very obviously written in Hank Green's voice, which is, uh, I understand, not quite something that he can change. And it's really more like it becomes a problem because like we as an audience are so familiar with Hank Green, the video personality. Um, yeah, I definitely noticed it more in this one. Yeah. I mean, I think especially because we're getting the perspective of four different characters at the right. same time and or like you know five different characters and four of them talk the same yeah you know i i think he does a pretty good job like individuating carl's voice from the other characters yeah um it's not even but, like the... the 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 four yeah you know 20 somethings that we're, we're with all talk in the exact same manner and the thing about that is like they're not millennials like like hank green is millennial but like you know People who are, like, 23 or 24 now are, like, Generation Z or whatever you want to call our generation. Like, I don't think they would talk in the way that Hank Green talks. Yeah, it is a little apparent, I think, um, which is a bad thing. It's an annoying thing to say, just because, like, mm. I wish it wasn't true, and I wish that wasn't a criticism I had of this book. But yeah. there, there's a I lot think... of, like, factoid and, like, political agenda just, like, thrown in there randomly. Um and they all sort of feel the same. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I, th I think, you know, you point out the political agenda thing. I think when the characters do talk about politics, it is from, like, a very individual perspective. Like, there, there's one point where, like, uh, Andy is watching a YouTube video and uh, he says, oh, well, this went from too right for me to too, too left for me. Um, or, like, too conservative to too radical um is i think what he says um and i think that's meant to be like maybe not an indictment of his character but like a, a commentary on where he is as a person like I, I don't think that's supposed to be from like what hank green thinks about the world yeah it's not even that it's not like what he thinks it's just like the way he writes about it i guess i would say okay perhaps like even even saying that like oh this was uh it went too radical like i don't know like i don't know I guess it's I don't know. I, th I, th I think that's fair. I, th I think that's, I think that's sort of how a lot of people think about those things. So. All right. All right. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't have a big problem with that, anyways. But, uh, yeah. So this book was for me at least a disappointment. I was curious. We hadn't talked about it at all uh, before this. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of easing into that. But I was pretty excited at the beginning of the book. I liked the way things were going. I, I thought there was good build up. But there is something very strange about the pace and the focus, because it's like, okay, now it's Andy, and then you sort of the plot stuff keeps boiling over, and then the plot stuff, what it does is sort of diminish what Andy's up to. Yeah. And then it builds to like a team effort kind of thing, which just sort of works out. And it, I don't know, for some reason, it's just like way less intriguing, and it, it, it is a little disappointing just because I was so excited about the world in the first book, and this one feels like, makes me feel that it was less of a plan overall and more of like cool ideas for a sci-fi thing that Hank Green had. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it might've worked better if like this were added as maybe like a hundred more pages at the end of book one, if that didn't just have it be like one book instead of a duology. Yeah, maybe. Um, like I'd... incorporate some, but not all of the ideas that are in this. Yeah, but the thing about it is like, where does this, you know, what's, like, it's just such a book about, like, the good of humanity that, like, ending it as, like, a, you know, good versus evil robot kind of thing, like, just doesn't feel right. I, I don't know um, if that makes any That's sense. That's an interesting point. You want to expand on that? Yeah, it, it just feels like, it just feels like you want to know how it works out for the whole society, because it's like our society, but, like, a crazy circumstance. And yeah. you have this, like, doomsday idea in the second book where, like, humanity is sort of doomed and Carl is trying to help us along the way. And I feel like you don't even need the, like, evil Carl to, like, have that be the stakes. Like, why don't you just have Carl trying to make the world a better place? You know what I mean? Like, that would be mm -hmm. enough stakes. And I, I, I don't know how you would conclude that, really. But, I, I, like, it's it's so weird when you write something like this. Like, how do you even, like, resolve like political turmoil like that like change everyone's mm -hmm. mind like it's hard um but you had this thing in the first book where it was like you know there was a there was riots and discord and like it, it was you know 
it was the the evil what are they called again jesus um the bad uh, guys yeah the bad i don't remember that. so you know <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah it's fine in the first book you sort of got like if we took them down or like you know that simmered out that would be progress in a way but you open this book and it's like well they simmered out like you know what i mean like because yeah. of april's death like just because the things they were railing against didn't exist anymore they they you know went away which is like fine but it also feels like a lot of a lot of like the the boiling point stuff from the first book is just sort of discarded pretty easily yeah whereas the um, first and book i don't i don't like... think it's it's re- it's not replaced with like as interesting stuff <laughs> yeah but the first you, know, you finish the first book and you're like oh i can't wait to continue this you know Mm-hmm. like it, it's sort of you feel like april will come back and then ultimately like totally defeat the bad guys but she comes back and they're already gone and there's a new bad guy and you're you're also like the second book sets up this thing of like this this other cool idea where it's like how the world is adjusting to things after the carls you know what i mean like it's sure it, it, you know people like it, there's this idea always in the, in the back of the second book where the economy is like not doing great because people are just like less excited about things uh, which is i think super interesting um and then you you know you're in this point where you're you're super interested in the sort of the fate of the world but there's no good way to conclude that yeah and i think the interesting thing about that is i think they do like sort of try to because like andy for example mainly andy has his own supporting cast like he has his uh roommate that he makes his podcast with he has like a, a girlfriend that he's starting a relationship with um and i think that like I don't think their viewpoints are like, maybe it's just because they are side characters, but I feel like they would be very good representatives for like what a normal person who's not like incredibly connected to the inside poli- inside baseball of like what's going on, like how they would feel about it. And yeah. I, I feel like they don't go all the way there. Like there's some attempt, like they, they do obviously, they, they do obviously like give him a lot of pushback on some of his ideas. Um, but I, I don't know if the conflict is, like, developed perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it is still a pretty okay book. Like, it's... Fun. Yeah, it's, it's... It's still fun. You know, I, I think it's a pretty decent conclusion to, like, the, the series. Um, or to the previous book. Uh, like, I don't think you'll come away unsatisfied. Um, it's just also a book where, like things kind of fizzle out not in like in inorganic way but just in a way of like 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 it seems to me that hank green actually did have a pretty conclusive idea of how he wanted to end all the plot threads from the first book i just don't think they necessarily come out to be like story shaped Hmm. or like maybe not a whole book's worth yeah um yeah, it's weird because yeah. it feels like you're in the middle of like a story, and it turns out you were sort of at the end of April's story, but not the plot of it. I I can't. I I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's like April's story is done. Like her villain is defeated, her character arc is pretty much done. But there's still this other plot thread with like explaining the Carls that needs to keep going, basically. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm not really sure what I would do to like necessarily fix this book. Like yeah. I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like so fundamentally broken in that way like cuz I, I I don't think it is. Like I think it's like a pretty decent book. It's just like I'm unsatisfied with it as the conclusion to a book that I liked a whole lot. Yeah. I don't know either. I, I, yeah i don't know yeah uh, and it, it's it's not even like like i i think it's like relatively likely that like if you as i said earlier like if you came out like really liking the first book and you want to read the next thing i think you absolutely should um like it gives good answers to all the questions you probably had um yeah. i just think that there's there's not an interesting plot stapled on top of that <laughs> yeah necessarily i think think there are like some really cool ideas in there i just wish they were more fleshed out i think that's a um, good way to put it i like the way you said yeah um i don't know i feel i feel like really sad that i didn't like this book more um i was super excited and not again not even in a way that i 
didn't like it. I just wish it was like a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I came out of it still sort of like missing April, like not missing her, but like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. There was something about it. It was like the friends go and hang out, and it still doesn't feel like they're hanging out. Uh, like I still want more of April stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Even coming out of this book. Anyways, we got a little uh, somber. Anyway. There. Yeah. <laughs> got a little somber. That's okay. Yeah. Sure. Again, it is it is a book that I think like if you like the first book, I think you should read it. Um I, I'm just not nearly as hot on it. Um Yeah. All yeah. right, let's move on to something uh more uh chipper. Yeah, let's let's do that. Sounds good. Okay, Nick, uh, today, as we do every week, uh, I, actually, this is something we have done multiple times. Uh, I have a New Mutants update for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> what's <Nick>? happening? <laughs> well, uh, a few weeks ago, there was a San Diego Comic-Con panel. Uh, it's all online because of coronavirus. Um, and uh, they, they had one for New Mutants. Uh, they had the cast and crew get together. Um, they, they talked about the movie and how apparently it is still coming out on August 28th, which is, as we're recording this, 20 days from now. Um, so just under three weeks. Uh, and so the interesting thing about this video uh, is that apparently the Comic-Con people do not know how to actually like live stream stuff. So they just like posted the whole panel um, <laughs> as it like, like just uh, the whole half hour panel. Um, anyway, so what this means is, uh, at the end of the panel, uh, they decided to show off the first two minutes of the movie. Nice. Um, and so what you get there is a scene of, uh, my friend Daniel Moonstar, uh, uh, being terrorized by a demon bear. Um, and, uh, uh, then she wakes up in a scary facility, um, and also her parents maybe die it, it's unclear that's what happens in the books but it the the thing about this scene is that it is not well edited <laughs> uh like things just happen very fast um and it's like kind of unclear at times what is happening and i can't tell if it's because like they didn't have like you know why the money or the willpower to like finish the cgi for like the things it's, that were supposed to be happening because it's not a real movie and they just cut some yeah, stuff together. It is a fake movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot you can talk about this with this movie. Uh, even before it comes out, you know, there, there's a there's a whole controversy because uh, this movie had made the bold decision to cast uh, two characters who are who are uh, black in the comics as as white people. Mm. Um, so that that's an that's an interesting one they made there. Um, and also just, I think it doesn't look good. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a whole lot of, that's a whole lot of negative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a really sad episode of Out of Our Heads. Yeah. It's okay though, because I have yeah. a good quote. Oh, wonderful. Thank I actually have two good there. quotes and I'm still deciding between them. Mm-hmm. How about, how about two? Is that crazy? Sure, yeah, let's do it. All right, this one is from Seneca the Younger. That which fortune has not given, she cannot take away. Which is like, okay. you know, don't get disappointed by things. I like that one. Now, here's another one from Twelfth Night. I don't know what Twelfth Night is. Do you? Uh, I'm not familiar, I don't think. It's a play by William Shakespeare. Okay. Oh, Handled. Um, okay, so we are uncultured. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. But let me culture. Let me sprinkle a little culture into our lives, Joe. Great, let's do it. Journeys end in lovers meeting. That's it. Well, there's more, but hmm. I feel like that's kind of what I want to say. Yeah. Okay. The next part of the line is just like everyone should know that. <laughs> wise people know that. Every wise man's <laughs> son doth know. I guess. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Protopapis. 
You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at joby underscore draws. You can read my webcomic aeronaut at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote. We'll be back next week. Wisdom. I have wisdom to promote. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, you can review us on iTunes if you want. Uh, that would help with the show. Yeah. Um, you know, I really hope that Hank Green is not offended by yeah. <laughs> our negative review. I'm sorry, of Hank. I really, uh, I, I like you so much that I want to like it. Yeah, we're big fans. Um, he didn't number this fine. book either, did he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have um, the physical copy. I read it on Kindle. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not sure then. But yeah, yeah. Amazon lists it as the Carl's book too, which is funny. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> have fun. Stay safe out there. Uh, see you next time. <laughs>